Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about ransomware, how to defend against it. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Ben Johnson. He's co-founder and chief security strategist at Carbon Black. Ben, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Ben, ransomware pretty quickly emerged as the security story of 2016. There are a couple things I want to ask you about it. And first is, how have you seen ransomware evolve since it took such a high profile? Well, Tom, yeah, it seems to be on uh, on everyone's radar all over the news. Even people who hardly know what a computer is, I think, have heard of, of ransomware these days. But, uh, yeah, so there's really two parts of the ransomware attack. There's really the infection and the actual action that's taken place on your computer, on your, you know, in your environment. And so we've actually seen both uh, parts of that attack, both basically parts of that arc changing. And so on the infection side, you know, sadly, phishing and malvertising, these kinds of attacks that target really humans, you know, your employee who's clicking that, that link or opening that attachment, uh, visiting that website with a, a bad advertisement on it. Uh, unfortunately, that's still very real and very effective. And so we're still seeing that, but we are seeing other uh, trends in terms of trying to get the human out of the loop. So even though the human is still very vulnerable, and even the best organizations only get to about 5% in terms of, uh, you know, click rate, you know, even if they get the best training, uh, you know, and lowers better, right, there'll still be five out of every 100 people at their company that, that open a bad link, right? And so even though it's effective, if you can target a server, or remote desktop, something where there is no human, uh, your chances, you know, as an attacker go up. And so we're starting to see more and more targeting of servers and of desktops through brute forcing of credentials or finding vulnerabilities in websites and then just automatically uh, trying to encrypt their, their system. And then on the action side, what's actually taking place once that access is obtained, is, is even more interesting. There's a lot more uh, changing here. So uh, I think a couple things that, that the audience should really understand is ransomware is really starting to look for your archives and your backup folders. So you need to be thinking about keeping your backups off-site or unreachable. You know, everyone who plugs in a hard drive every time they, you know, bring their laptop back to their desk and does the automatic, you know, time machine or, or just automatic backup, that's great, but unplug it when it's done because ransomware and these, these guys are starting to look for, hey, how is my target backing up their server, backing up their desktop, their documents? Because I'm going to go delete those. I'm going to try to increase the chance of payment even higher. Uh, and then just to wrap up this this question, you know, it related to that, they are sitting there for a few days to try to scope out the environment, see how you're doing your backup. They are starting to evolve to ask Windows, Microsoft Windows ex- itself, to do the dirty work, so things like PowerShell, if you've heard of that, uh, other other built-in controls into Windows that might be more privileged or at least more allowed by security software are starting to be used in the attack. And then finally, uh, Mac and Linux are not immune. We're seeing Mac uh, attacks, we're seeing Linux attacks, starting to see some mobile uh, ransomware as well, although that hasn't really exploded yet, although we, we expect it will. So, uh, So really, there's a lot going on. Ben, certainly we all have seen the explosion of attacks in the healthcare sector. From your inside perspective, what are some of the new targets and vulnerabilities that have emerged this year? You have to feel bad for the healthcare sector and, you know, you're seeing even some of the like 911 systems and, uh, you know, police stations and things like that getting taken out. So certainly there's, there's both opportunistic and targeted attacks. So we, we are all in the crosshairs of opportunistic attacks where 
you know, these criminal organizations are basically casting a really wide net. They're saying, look, I'm just going to send as many of these emails out and hope people click. I'm even going to track basically like a marketing campaign, like how, how many people are, are, are viewing my email and clicking my link, right? Uh, and so we're all going to be in the crosshairs there. And then the targeted attacks are much more specific. We're going to see uh, higher uh, payments demanded and things like that at the targeted attacks, places where availability and uptime are critical. You have to pay because you just don't have time to go to backup or to investigate because, you know, maybe like a hospital, uh, human li- lives are on the line. But related to this, I don't want to... Um, Forget the point of bitcoins and, and, and online currency. So, in the past, you know, maybe ten years ago, when there's cybercrime or, or this more extortion type crime, you had to like wire money or you had to send a check. Things that are either easier to trace or more friction on the on the victim, right? Like you have to go actually down to some store or something and you know wire money or your bank or whatever. Whereas now, it's with things like Bitcoin. It's both easy for the victim to go buy a Bitcoin to pay, and then it's really hard to track that Bitcoin to an actual human. So not trying to blame Bitcoin, but some of these online currencies and things like that are certainly fueling this. Uh, and then finally, the reason all of this is working or all of this is so popular is because of that fact that it is working. You know, there's there's uh, Bitcoin wallets out there that have $600 million in them, and no one really knows who they belong to, but they've seen all these these crimes funneling, you know, bitcoins into those. So we're not talking about, you know, fifty dollars here or there. We're talking about essentially billions of dollars when you add up all these campaigns. Well, just to follow up on the Bitcoin point you brought up here, Ben, what do you see as some of the key factors that are enabling the growth of ransomware? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's certainly the hot topic as we, as we mentioned before. Um, it's really become a market. So in addition to uh, just it, it, it working and people making a lot of money, millions of dollars from it, uh, you're seeing now competition like any market jump in. So there's more and more uh, individuals trying to conduct these campaigns. You're seeing it be more commoditized. So there are, is this notion of ransomware as a service where less technical attackers essentially can go subscribe and say, hey, I want you to conduct a campaign against this. You'll get royalties. You'll get some basically retainers. And, uh, and yet I'll, I'll tell you where to target and I'll, I'll figure out how to convert the, the ultimate payday, you know, Bitcoin or, or whatever the currency is into actual like national currency, whether that's, you know, Russian rubles or, or whatever. Um, so you're seeing that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, you are seeing, uh, be, because companies are paying, uh, that's really, you know, continuing to entice, uh, these criminals. Uh, and then finally, um, the fact that we haven't really improved our defenses enough. Again, this all kind of comes back to, <laughs> the combination of it's hard to catch the bad guy and it's hard to stop them right now because it's all working. And so the fact that our our IT teams, our security teams, our, our leadership are only starting to wake up to this extortion type, you know, disruption type attacks, that's really why a lot of ransomware has been growing lately. Well, let's talk about a couple of ways that organizations can tackle ransomware. And first, talk about what they can do to harden their systems before they become infected. Sure. So obviously, not letting the ransomware run is, is preferred, right? So if you can do that, great. Uh, and I'll go into that in a second. Uh, but really, there's a few different things you should be thinking about. And, and really, like any good security, it's all about defense in depth or disruption in depth. Where, you know, to start with, you have to think about more of the IT structure, your environment, your infrastructure, all that. So things like network segmentation or reducing privileges where, you know, just because, let's say, Ben's laptop gets hit doesn't mean 
it can access every document in your environment, right? So, so really trying to get that compartmentalization, that segmentation, so that you can say, you know, if this box or, you know, this server or this uh, laptop gets hit, it's only a smaller uh, amount of damage, right? So, so really trying to create some, some resiliency or, or reduce the risk. And, and related to that, I've seen a lot of companies where they had file shares that essentially every employee used the same file share. And so if any employee gets hit, well, guess what? <laughs> that ransomware is going to encrypt everyone's files. And so doing things like that, the basics really uh, are the best place to start. But to actually be more effective, you have to think about things like positive security or whitelisting on your hosts. And we really play in there uh, at Carbon Black as a, as a company. But um, really, if you think about, hey, why not just create policies that say, here's the trusted software, here's the software that I need to do my job that can run, and oh, by the way, everything else is just denied by default, just won't run. That's ultimately the best way to stop it, right? Is it, I don't care if it's you know if it's really advanced ransomware, if it's if it's basic ransomware, if it's not a trusted application or trusted binary, it just won't run. So if you can get to that posture uh, around whitelisting or application control, uh, that's ultimately the best way to go. And then finally, you know, I can't I can't talk security without talking more about employee training. So obviously, I, I really prefer. Uh, you harden your hosts with something like whitelisting. You do some of the segmentation, but you also have to just make employees aware and say, look, just don't click on as many links. Don't open as many attachments. Use some some better judgment. Report some suspicious activity because we're all in it together and none of our teams have enough security personnel to do everything themselves. So they really need that, you know, that team sport mentality of we're all trying to keep the business, you know, online, keep the train running. So, Ben, those are the preventive measures. For organizations that aren't so fortunate, then post-infection, what do they need to be doing to close down the open doors and to prevent new attacks? So prevention, especially for ransomware, is, is the ultimate goal, right? You don't, you don't want it to run. Ransomware is trying to run and, and actually be noisy so that you see it, so that you pay, which is a little bit different than typical attacks where they try to be stealthy and steal your, your data and, and get in and out without being seen. Ransomware is the opposite. It wants to be seen. But uh, a lot of times what's hard is scope and root cause. And really that's just incident response in general. So uh, a lot of times there's so much time spent on hey, is this the only machine infected or are there a whole bunch? You know, is this patient zero or is it patient 20? Uh, that's really like the first step is, hey, how do I get this information? How do I understand, you know, is this the main source of the infection or is this just, you know, it happens to be one of several that got hit, right? And so, you know, trying to understand scope uh, and then ultimately to get to root cause where you can go back and essentially like a camera, wind the tape, and say, you know what, how did this actually happen? Because I want to fix the problem. You mentioned closing that open door. You know, if you're not fixing the problem, if you're not actually improving after each incident, after each, you know, time spent, then you're still in the same spot tomorrow. And really, if you're just doing something like re-imaging, well, did you learn anything? And so this whole EDR market, endpoint detection and response, which Carbon Black is a big player in, you know, we're all about this continuous monitoring, uh, better detection, faster response. And really, organizations need to be thinking about that. How fast can I figure out what's going on? How fast can I figure out what the root cause is? What's the scope? You know, if I do have that shared repository of documents, that file share that everyone uses, and it starts getting encrypted, how quickly can I tell which person's machine is actually doing the encryption? So, again, it's really about thinking if they get past whatever hardening I've done or segmentation I've done, 
and start doing encryption, how fast do I have the information at my fingertips to essentially rewind the tape and say, okay, how did this start? Where did it go? What did it do? Uh, and then ultimately, how can I uh, fix it for tomorrow? So, Ben, something that organizations might not consider as they tackle ransomware are cultural challenges. In your experience, what are some of the cultural challenges they might end up facing? Yeah, so it's all, it's actually all about, it's about culture, right? Security is really about uh, informing the business of what the risk is. So really understanding the risk, informing the business, and then saying, look, here's some proposals for how to mitigate the risk. That's really security if we boil it down, right? And so a lot of it has to obtain cultural buy-in or IT buy-in, management buy-in, uh, business buy-in, whatever you'd want to say. So if you start doing things like hardening, like whitelisting, like locking systems down, taking away privileges, you are going to have some cultural aspects of that. You're going to have to get buy-in from managers and say, look, I don't want to get ransomware or I don't want you to, to lose our data. And you know what? You're just going to have to tell that employee he can't install that screensaver. He can't install that little league baseball manager software. He can't play that game. Stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing anyways, but a lot of environments employees are used to, you know, going to whatever websites they want to go to or doing some personal, you know, banking or other things and, and sometimes even installing software, you know, and so you got to start working with the business as a whole and saying, you know what, we're all in this together. This is really more like disaster recovery or, you know, continuity, business continuity when you think about ransomware. Uh, and so we all are in this together and uh, in order to do that, we might have to make some sacrifices about flexibility or how much you can do on your own computer that really the company owns, right? So it sounds weird that you'd have to almost get permission to take away privileges. But those are some of the cultural cha- uh, challenges. And then, you know, ultimately educating upper management, educating the board. It's becoming easier to do that because there's so many headlines around, especially something like ransomware. But uh, ultimately telling them why security exists, you know, it is a cost. It's not typically generating revenue. Uh, and really just making them aware of, look, this is all about keeping the business running, especially with something like extortion or ransomware. So we're in this together. Please work with us. Please help us. Uh, and then ultimately we'll, we'll still have a business. Ben, last question for you. Drawing upon some of your own customer experience, what can you share in terms of lessons learned from your customers and how they have fought ransomware? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to talk to a lot of different companies, and, and really this is front of mind, you know, a lot of mind share going into things like ransomware or these more disruptive attacks. Uh, I will say that uh, in general, uh, the security teams are having an easier job, like I just mentioned, uh, educating the workforce, or uh, they're actually having non-security personnel come to them and say, hey, I'm worried about ransomware. What are we doing about that? So overall, for security teams, this is a this is a nice catalyst. You know, none of us want ransomware, but if there is a silver lining, it's a nice catalyst for security teams to get more awareness, get more budget, just get more training, things like that. Uh, and so we are seeing trends in those areas, uh, trying to, you know, just really fight back. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of sharing. So, you know, everyone's talking about things like threat intelligence or these, these information sharing centers, but uh, trying to share best practices with each other, trying to uh, sh- uh, share success stories, not just the negative stories that you see with the, you know, hospital taking offline for days and things like that. Uh, but really to get more, a little bit more technical, the, the items I mentioned before really come from, from the customers, you know, things like, hey, beforehand we were all dumping our documents into the same central repository, the same file share. Uh, If one of us got hit, 
then it would encrypt everyone's documents. Now the whole business is down because no one can do work. So let's start doing compartmentalization or segmentation. Start just hardening, you know, things like, like whitelisting have really come back into focus because of ransomware. Certainly detection and response are really hot because uh, the perimeter is really deteriorating through, uh, you know, vendors, suppliers, uh, and then roaming employees and, you know, things like that. Cloud, uh, really you don't have a perimeter anymore. So endpoint is a big focus. So being able to detect and respond quickly uh, is very important. But finally, just making it really a, about being the bodyguard for the business, being uh, about business continuity versus trying to, you know, the old school security team was thought of as like the police. They're going to tell you you're doing something wrong in your server or on your desktop, whereas now it's more like, no, no, we're trying to keep the business going. We're trying to protect you guys like a bodyguard. So uh, there's a lot of uh, stories I can get into. We don't typically disclose the actual uh, names of our of our customers, but let's just say ransomware is really helping everyone rethink their security posture and rethink more of that defense in depth kind of strategy and then also Take a look at their environment and how can I re-architect my infrastructure to better be resilient against something like that. Well, Ben, that's really insightful. I appreciate your time and your thoughts today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The topic has been defending against ransomware. I've been speaking with Ben Johnson, co-founder and chief security strategist with Carbon Black. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.